Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource and joining me is Brian Lewis. And Brian is the CEO of IntelliCheck Inc. And for those not familiar with IntelliCheck, uh, Brian, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. So I'd say the simplest way to describe what we do is we stop identity theft by making sure people are who they say they are. And we've been doing this for probably 25 years now. We started off doing it for the military and secure, secure government facilities because they determined that if you wanted to come on base, the best way to make sure that you are who you say you are is if your government-issued ID was real. So we've been authenticating military IDs and driver's licenses for a very, very long time. And given the amount of data that has been breached and what I'd say is the explosion in identity theft, it made a lot of sense to transition the main portion of our business into financial services and, and stop people from stealing your identity to open up credit lines in your name. And if you think about the size of that market and how much you know, there is out there, um, there were 14.3 million Americans last year had their identity stolen, and people lost $14.7 billion due to that. You know, a lot of that came from that Equifax breach where 143 million Americans had their identities breached, you know, everything about them, social security numbers, addresses, uh, credit ratings, credit reports, all of that type of thing. And it hasn't stopped. Right? In the first half of 2019, there were over 3,800 breaches exposing 4.1 billion records of personal information. And that has given the, the fraudsters everything that they need to go out and become you. Um, if you think about the cost of buying somebody's data, online a social security number is a dollar. Driver's license information is about $20. Credit and report information anywhere from 80 to 150 depending on your credit history, you know, your credit um, score. And the only thing they need to go out and become you now is something, a government ID that has their face on it and your information. And that now has become very simple to do. You can go online and buy driver's licenses that even the police can't tell apart. And they go use that information and they walk into department stores and they open up credit in your name and buy expensive things, walk out, they've got the merchandise, and you have what the FTC has determined to be six months, 300 hours of your life now going to be spent on clearing your name. And, and we stop that by working with the banks to get into that crediting process and authenticate that license to make sure that they are them and not you. So I, I, I realize um, this is a big problem and there's got to be a lot of people going after it. So, so where are you in, uh, in the competitive landscape, and, and how do you stand out? Uh, I'd say that the number one way we stand out is through our efficacy. Uh, you know, we say that we're 99% effective in catching a fraudulent ID. Um, what I can say is our clients say we're greater than that, and you know, I think the best testimonial was the New York State DMV uh, before they used, gave our product to their officers and to the New York State Liquor Authority, they ran a thousand fakes through the system. 
and the director of investigations, Owen McShane, told us that we caught all thousand of the fakes. So we are very good at what we do. Um, most of our, you know, our clients, you know, our current clients, will look at a broad spectrum of ways to stop this, um, and they'll do, you know, kind of what we call a scan off because they all have their, you know, stacks of fakes, and we always catch, you know, everyone, and certainly way more than any of our competitors. So I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, we have grown and are signing banks at the rate that we are and certainly bringing on retailers, you know, at the rate that we are. Can you share who some of your customers are? Uh, we're under NDA for, like, all of our customers. Uh, nobody, in a way, wants to admit that they have a fraud problem. Um, they all love the fact that we're stopping that fraud problem for them. But we have, uh, you know, right now, you know, what we've announced is four of the top ten credit card issuers as clients, and we are in over 17,000 retail locations in uh, the U.S. and Canada. So, so your verticals are, are finance and, and retail, is that correct? Well, we cover a couple of different markets. You know, my focus to you know, what I thought was going to be the, the fastest way to bring the company to profitability was go where the real pain is. And, and again, that is uh, you know, dealing with banks who are the ones who suffer the losses due to identity theft and synthetic identity theft. So you know, we solve a very big pain point there. We also work with law enforcement. We've got uh, over 65 law enforcement agencies, 21 at the state level that use our services to authenticate licenses. And we are in you know, hundreds and hundreds of stores that sell age-restricted products, so alcohol, tobacco, cannabis. But the main focus of the sales force is to be you know, onboarding uh, the banks. There are about 10 banks and then Amex and Discover that are you know, probably issue you know, 99.9% of all credit cards. That's the target market that we're really focusing on right now. And, and, and how are you reaching them? Is it with a direct sales force or, or what channels? Yeah, you know, what, when I took over the company you know, almost two years ago now, uh, we were trying to sell through channels and other things. And you know, I looked at that and I realized that most of the channel people that we're trying to sell to, I think the bank would realize they didn't need them once they installed us. So it didn't seem to be the right way for us to do it. So I changed up the sales force, changed, you know, how and who we were selling to, and, and then began going direct. And that's what I think has really, um, you know, accelerated our sales. You know, I believe that you're always better at selling your own product than somebody else is. So, you know, we've taken that over. We've, you know, got the messaging right. Uh, we know who to sell to, and, you know, that's why we are signing, you know, banks, whereas we hadn't in the past. And how big a sales force, and do you have the size sales force that you want at this time? Yeah, we've got six people in sales right now, um, you know, for this target market that we're going after, which, you know, is a very large market that we feel we're just scratching the surface of. Um, I think it's the right size. You know, if I was going to be expanding into other markets and things, obviously we'd look to do it. But right now there is so much TAM, I think, in this space, uh, and we are doing so well in it. I think it makes a lot of sense to continue to focus in, on that area. Mm -hmm. And are you doing it completely on your own, or do you have any partners? Uh, where it makes sense for certain things like facial recognition, we partner with people. Um, you know, that's you know, not our core uh, 
competency, but there you know, are many companies out there that do it and do it very well. Uh, if somebody's asking for facial, you know, we've got a stable of facial recognition partners that we can bring into that as needed. Okay. So, so um, how long of a, a sales cycle is it? Uh, you know, honestly, it, it varies to such a degree, uh, it's almost hard to say. What I will say is once we took it um, in-house, if you will, when we stopped going through channel partners, it is completely speeded up. You know, uh, in a lot of the earnings calls, I talk about the banks by number since we can't um, name them, but bank number three uh, was the one that we've been trying to sell through a channel partner. That had been going on for at least two years before I started. Um, w- when I started in February um, you know, of 18, uh, I looked at that channel partner. In April, we ripped up that contract, and we'd signed that bank by the end of the year. Bank number four, we ended up probably closing them in four months. Uh, we also now have you know, some clients, you know, retailers that will come to us um, and say, I need your service. I've heard about it from uh, one of my competitors. You know, we've had them sign up in as little as two weeks and be integrated in two weeks after that. So it really depends on once we get to the right person, and especially if they know that they, you know, they're feeling this pain of the fraud, it can go very quickly. And so when, you, when they finally sign up, um, mm-hmm. How long of an integration process, and is that very costly on, on your end? Uh, no, 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 no. It's not, um, it's, it is a very, very simple API. One of the things that our clients really like about what we do uh, compared to some of the competitors in this ID authentication space is there is no new hardware required. So that when you go into a retailer, that same, you know, the, the scanning gun that they use to ring up your merchandise is the exact same thing that will scan the barcode on a driver's license, which we use to authenticate the license. So no new hardware, and, you know, to the retailer's benefit, we're speeding up the onboarding of good clients because not only do we authenticate the license, but we pre-populate the application. The only thing that the, the person has to do is enter in their social security number and income. And generally, the whole crediting process will take 30 seconds. You know, I've done it at some of, um, some of our clients just to you know, walk through the process. And the credit has generally been issued before they were able to put all of my merchandise in the bag. So the retailers love that because they know that if you have a branded credit card, you shop in that store a lot more often. So their aim is to get as many new credit cards as they can, and the bank's aim is to do that while at the same time eliminating the fraudsters, the identity thieves, so they can cut those losses. So we're a win-win for both the retailer and the bank, and again, without any hardware purchases. So it's a large market for you guys to tackle, and you mentioned a couple verticals. Um, What's the the growth strategy? Uh, Twofold. One, if you think about the existing banks that we have, uh, they have you know hundreds and hundreds of companies where you know retailers where they do the you know the credit card program. So it's just a matter of we're working with those banks to just continue to bring on their retailers. And then, you know, the second thing is to make sure that we're expanding the number of lenders that we have. So, you know, everything from, you know, the payday lenders 
um, you know, the unsecured um, loan vendors, the, the banks that are issuing the credit cards. And then also within the banks, they're realizing that we're such a great solution for stopping fraud, they are now looking at where else can they put us in, uh, in, in their whole bank, you know, whatever their processes are, whether it's, you know, we've moved into auto loans, where they're now in the fraud center, the call-in fraud center, because you call in, you want to change your, uh, you know, address or you want to do something. They want to make sure it's you. Uh, that call center can send a text through our system to your phone. Uh, you click on that text, it activates the camera, it scans the back of your license. We can authenticate that you are, in fact, who you say you are, and then authorize the changes. Uh, we're now getting put in at the retail branches, so we're um, fully uh, rolled out to one of our bank clients, and we've got a couple others that are in the process of you know, rolling out you know, starting this quarter into Q2. So the growth strategy is really penetration of the existing accounts, the existing banks that we have, uh, and their clients, and then obviously expand into new clients, you know, Greenfield. Now, now there, there's different approaches for identity um, protection. Um, is your way, um, you know, more of a premium, or is it more cost-effective, or how do you stack up against the competition in terms of uh, the, the cost to the company? Look, I'd say that, you know, we are very cost-effective, you know, in terms of we know what the losses are and we know how often it happens. Um, you, know, a, a, you know, your regular department store, we've asked them how much was, you know, the average hit on something like this, and it was $2,100. Uh, tool and equipment stores, just over $2,500 in instance. Furniture stores, just north of $2,900. Jewelry stores, over $3,500 per instance. And, you know, we can see how often somebody tries to use a fake ID uh, to, you know, either in a card not present transaction or a, a new account opening. And it's very simple to do the math in terms of what we're saving. So we're a very, very cost-effective uh, way for the banks and the retailers to stop this. And at the same time, probably the most frictionless way to do it. There is nobody who is going to be offended by ask, being asked for their license to, you know, authenticate who they are. We're, we're used to doing it all the time. You know, you go to the airport, you have to do it. You check into a hotel, you have to do it. Uh, I think most consumers now are understanding that this is for their protection because people are becoming much more aware of the fact that their identities are at risk all the time. Yeah, so, so you're adding a, a lot of value to the process. Uh, so, yeah. But how are you getting paid for it? Yeah, that was a big change after I started as well. Um, we used to charge uh, a flat fee per location. And I looked at that and I thought, we are not getting uh, the value. We're not getting paid for the value that we're bringing to them. And it also, I think, was a concept that was slightly alien to banks. Banks are very understanding of transactional fees, you know, and that's what we move to. So for, you know, the banks, what we've done is there's a, going to be a flat fee. There's some minimum you're going to pay me every month. And then based on scan volumes for that month, you know, your next million scans for that month might, will be X, the next million Y, the next million Z. The point of that being, um, I want to make sure that they realize that the more customers they bring on, 
uh, their marginal cost of fraud, you know, stopping fraud goes down. And that has been a very successful pricing model for us. Uh, we're extracting a lot more value. Uh, the clients get it, and it incentivizes them to bring on more of their retailers or also expand into other parts of their bank because I don't care where the scan comes from. The bank is sending me you know, the requests for these scans. Uh, I just want to see the volumes increase. Okay, and, and so it, it's definitely a, a reoccurring revenue model then. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there is some seasonality to it, um, which we know about. Uh, we know that if you look at your average retailer, um, their scans come in pretty much a pattern, where 21% of the yearly scans come in in Q1, 23% of the scans come in in Q2 and Q3, and 33% of the scans come in in Q4. You know, obviously just the uptick of, you know, the holiday shopping season. But, you know, to date, we haven't lost uh, a retailer since I've been uh, running the company. I don't see any reason. They all call us up and say, I can't believe how good this is. Uh, you have stopped my fraud problem. So I don't see any reason for any of them to have any inclination to leave. So it is very, very sticky uh, revenue and definitely recurring. Are you getting uh, software-type margins, or, or where are gross margins? Yeah, gross margins um, have been, and we expect them to stay at around 85%. Um, you know, the only time that that uh, might change a little bit is some of our clients, just for ease, will ask us to order the hardware for them. You know, and hardware is at a much lower margin. Um, so, you know, that might change it if we have an exceptionally large hardware order in a, uh, in a quarter, you know, just to help out a customer and, and get us going quicker. But we've been very consistent at 85%, and we don't see much of a change, any reason for a change of that going forward. And the hardware, is that pass-through? Yeah, we just buy it, mark it up, and, and pass it through. Gotcha. And then how about the heavy lifting? Is that predominantly done, or do you have much in the way of uh, CapEx expenditure? No, we don't see any real need to change. Um, you know, our CapEx, you know, obviously – uh, I'm always, you know, if a star salesman comes along, you want to hire them. Same with a developer. Um, you know, a, a nice problem to have is if we get so overloaded with uh, implementations that we need to add to the implementation team. Uh, you know, the only other expenses you, that are already baked into the margin is, you know, we run everything in the Azure cloud, and it's, you know, if we need to add computing uh, because we're adding clients, we do that. But, again, that's already baked into the margin. And are you just selling into the U.S.? Uh, US can our, our, our technology works for the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Uh, so predominantly in U.S. and Canada, that's where we're targeting right now. Okay. And then what, uh, what's the gating factor in, in terms of uh, growth? Uh, I'd say a kind of awareness in signing the clients. You know, there is, from our end of it, bringing a client live is very, very simple. So it's not like we would say, oh, we can only bring on three more clients because we don't have the bandwidth. It's a very simple you know, API or SDK, depending on, on how the client wants to use the product. Um, we don't need to go on site. Uh, it can all be done you know, just through conference calls. So really the gaining factor is just how fast can we sell clients and bring them on board. Okay, and then the growth drivers, is it just press, or, or what 
really drives your growth? Uh, one, I've got a very good sales force you know, who are very good at getting out the message out there. Um, two, right now what we are seeing is our clients are talking to their competitors. So unlike a year ago, we are now having inbound calls which, you know, obviously, if you've got a competitor talking to their competitor saying, you need to use this product, that carries a lot of weight and a lot of credibility. So that is also helping to speed up the sales process. So, you know, I, I think that's, those are the things that are really making it that, you know, there's a name for us out there now. We are getting brand recognition, and, you know, that is one of those things that definitely speeds up the sales process. Okay. Uh, anything we should watch for over the next 12 months in terms of uh, events or catalysts that can really help drive things? Uh, I'd say one of the biggest catalysts, obviously, to growth is you know, each one of these new um, credit issuers that we sign up because you know, we've looked at these guys. Uh, we took you know, what we call bank number two. Uh, they run the credit card programs for about 160 different organizations. And then we sat with them and looked at which ones do we think make sense, right? Nobody's going to go steal your identity to get a gasoline card. So, you know, wipe those guys off. They're not a target for us. But we came up with about 55 different companies where they offer, you know, they run the credit card program. And we sized those out. And that was, you know, a 20 to $22 million annual um, revenue to us fully implemented. So each one of these banks that we bring on board represents significant revenue uptick. You know, and obviously the bank's goal is to make sure every one of those retailers is on board because, you know, that's money right to their bottom line. So they become excellent partners with us. You know, they become the sales force in effect to make sure that the retailers come on board. So every new, uh, you know, issuer that we bring on board you know, represents some significant future revenue for us. Is there another revenue source from the retailers? I mean, right now it's the banks who are paying you, but the retailers are becoming aware of you. Is there another yeah. possibility there? Yeah, a lot of it depends on how the, um, the fraud is divvied up, like in, in which side eats it. Is it that the retailer or the, uh, or the bank? And we certainly have retailers – you know, oftentimes retailers will have to absorb some of the fraud for card not present. You know, where I walk in and say, oh, I forgot my, uh, my credit card, and they ask for your driver's license and your Social Security number, check the system and say, yep, there was a credit card issued for this person, and they, they put that company, that, that purchase on your charge card. Uh, we've got definitely have retailers that are coming to us direct and paying us direct for that because they want to stop that fraud. Uh, retailers also are responsible for, you know, they take the hit on uh, non-receipted returns and they want to authenticate people there. So those are places where even if the bank is paying us for the, the new account opening or the account lookup fraud, you know, the retailer will pay us for uh, the, the card, the, I'm sorry, the non-receipted return fraud. Okay. Well, great. Uh, anything you want to leave us with uh we're having fun you know that's i think you know a good sign at a company is everybody's having fun you know we, we're enjoying uh what we've done you know i've told people that uh you know we, we set ourselves a hard goal and you know a lofty goal for 
2019, you know, as I said on the, the last earnings call, uh, we're meeting expectations or we're meeting expectations of that, that plan. So, you know, we've got a good team. I think we've got a really good product. Uh, you know, we believe that we're just scratching the surface of this. And the really nice thing is, you know, it's sad, but it's nice for our company is that identity theft is not going away. Um, you know, if anything, it's going to get worse. And, you know, I believe that we've got a very simple uh, frictionless solution uh, to, to mitigating identity theft. Well, very good. It sounds like you're getting some traction with it, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share the story with us. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. Thank you, Brian.